This is an ABC podcast. Hello, Dee here, and I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which I'm chatting to you on today, the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation, and also the owners of the land in which you're listening to this episode from. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Oh, hey, happy NAIDOC week. This week is a very special week to celebrate and recognise the history, the culture and the achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And in this episode, I want to celebrate some of my favourite First Nations TikTok and Instagram creators who are absolutely killing it, making incredible content online that's making us laugh, helping people heal and sharing some much needed truths. So who are they? Firstly, I'd like to introduce you to Alira Potter. She's a proud Yorta Yorta woman and how can I even sum Alira up? Honestly, she does everything. She is a spiritual manifestation life coach. She has a book. She's an author called Wild and Witchy and she does a lot of advocacy online on Instagram to do with body positivity and self-love, healing. Uh, and then we've got Miss Emily Johnson, who I'm sure you've seen in your TikTok feed, also known as at How Do I Delete One. She's a Bugganji, Lachi Lachi Waka Waka, Birugaba woman, and she's an incredible artist whose work has been showcased around Euronation Sydney. But most importantly, she's just so fucking funny. And she's a meme lord, and she loves an Udi, which I was just like, same. She just gets it. And lucky last is mythical outback fairy Evander Connolly. He's a Mitakuti and Gungalira man who lives in Mount Isa. He's known as Outback Fairy on TikTok. And yeah, he's also hilarious like Emily on TikTok. He's just like so authentically himself. It's contagious. And yeah, it just makes you want to, I don't know video yourself doing something cooked and just like fully embrace all that you are but yeah I wanted to chat to these three in particular because of that they just have this presence online of really just helping people embrace who they are discover their identity and really encouraging that message of self-love and confidence so in this chat we'll hear their journeys We'll talk absolute shit about dating apps and being single. Uh, Evander even did this TikTok recently. Ben, I haven't done the nasty in that long. Sis, I got cobwebs coming up now. Yeah, so it was just a super fun chat. Everyone was zooming in from somewhere regional though. So the audio isn't the best, but I do hope that you become obsessed with them and the work that they do just as much as I am. Let's chat about how our love lives are going right now because it is the hookup. We've had a bit of a chat beforehand, so I kind of already kind of know where you're all at. But um, yeah, Alira, I'll start with you. Yeah, so my love life. <laughs> it's, um, I'm very single. I'm very single at the moment. Like I'm enjoying it, but it's, um, I just find the dating apps, they're really hard to read people. And it's really like, are people on there just to hook up or are they there for a partnership? And I think that's the thing that I struggle with, like being a 31-year-old human. It's like, I want to find a partner. I don't want to be like fucking around. I'm like ready to sort of settle down in that respect. So I, um, yeah, my love life is pretty funny at the moment. (laughs) 
I think you, I think when I spoke to you before, you were like, I'm single as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I and am. you're off the apps and you're just doing you, which I love to hear always. Um, what you did mention, Ilira, that I think. Uh, a lot of people listening will relate to as well is your experience dating as a queer woman. So you mm-hmm. kind of realised that um, you wanted to date and sleep with women around 26, mm-hmm. so, you know, a couple of years ago. What's been your experience kind of coming into that identity and navigating dating in that space? Yeah, I mean, so I got married when I was 21, divorced by 26, and I started exploring my sexuality and sort of just figuring out that, you know, I'm attracted to an energy of an individual rather than the gender of a person. So I really started just being like, okay, I'm just going to have fun with women and see what happens and blah, blah, blah. And next minute I'm like, okay, cool. What am I? And it's like, don't place labels like you just have fun and you enjoy yourself and I think I'm I want to say I'm like one of the lucky ones because I think my queer experience has been really good I came out to my family and they were like yeah and and I was like oh I was expecting you all to be like what the hell but they were all like yeah cool we couldn't care less who you loved as long as you're happy so my experience my queer experience has been pretty bloody magical the last couple of years to say the least What's the difference with dating guys have you found compared to dating women? I think dating men, it's really tricky because I fall under this category of being like this real alpha energy. And I think men are really taken back by it. And as soon as I tell a male, I work in this industry, I make this amount of money, this is what I do. They're like, mm, hang on a second, I'm supposed to be the main breadwinner right here. And I think that's what I struggle with. I think with women, a lot of women, I think I intimidate them because they're just trying to like compare themselves to me. And it's like, oh my God, don't don't even just like be present in the situation and just go with the flow. So I think dating is like really tricky as a queer woman. And I, th- I think a lot of people think that because I'm, I guess, in quotation mark bisexual in that context, they think the pool is much larger, but it is not. It's not larger at all. Avanda, you are living regional. What's that like? Because you mentioned before there's like, what, 12,000 people in Mount Isa where you are? Yeah, about like 10 to 20,000 people, give or take, like the teen pregnancies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, my love life is like um, non-existent. <laughs> I've actually never been on like a date or anything like that out in public with somebody. So like my love life is pretty much still in the shadows, in the closet, I guess, because I, I don't really attract the gay man. Uh, so I only attract straight men. Well, they claim to be straight. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so because I'm so hyper-feminine, like, they think, oh, yeah, oh, so if I, go with, if I go with this person, oh, yes, okay, I'm still going to be considered straight. What world? <laughs> so you're getting, like, the, the married man, right? Like, the married man who's just, like, on the married side. Married man. Yeah. Yeah. Married man, discreet, like all of the above. I've got them out here. Now I love. <laughs> Do you feel like that's like a regional experience? Do you think it's because there's not many people that you can mingle with? Have you had experience like going on apps and moving to somewhere where there's more, more of a population? Yeah. So I actually moved out to Sydney in 2021, I believe it was. It was good, but like, I think because I am hyper feminine, Aboriginal. Like, not too many people want to be seen with somebody so out there, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, like, 
I'm a lot to handle. <laughs> that like kind of leads into my um, next question, which I was going to talk to you all about is, you know, re- it is NAIDOT week and, and recently I did speak to Dr. Bronwyn Carlson, who did research about dating apps and the First Nations experience on dating apps and the sexual kind of racism that people experience on there. She spoke about the extent of it being even subconscious, unconscious racism to the point of just like aggressive racism. What have you kind of encountered using the apps as a First Nations man? I've gotten so many like different reactions on Grinder. <laughs> so like I will get the ones that are like, oh, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful, you're so this and you're that and like put you up on a pedestal and then you're like, oh, sorry, I don't do discreet guys. Like I don't, that's not my, you know, not my style. And then they would just turn around, well, fuck you too, you black dog or like you petrol sipper and like, yeah, they if they, I've noticed when men don't get their way on that app, they either become really, really, really mean or just really racist. So, yeah, I, you think I'd stay off it, but, you know, <laughs> always go back to grinder. So, at least sort of formal communication with, like, gay men in the area, that makes sense, or, like, anywhere, because we, we don't have any gay bars or, like, gay spaces out here in Mount Isa for us to actually, yeah, to socialise with each other and have these sort of discussions. Exactly, exactly. Emily, you, you've been on all the apps. Have you had a similar experience to Evander? Like what have you kind of encountered when it comes to using dating apps and maybe, you know, dealing with racism as well? I think I went into it like pure-heartedly, like Alira, like wanting to find a partner and all of that. I think I learned pretty quickly that dating apps are basically not for that. It's like hookups pretty much. But also I realised that the um, I basically put on my bio now like, I'm fatter in person. I saw someone else do that on a t-shirt and I'm like, let's just get that out there. All right. I'm, I'm a big bitch. Like, can we just get that over the table? I hate all of this kind of negativity around catfishing and women, this and that. And again, people wanting to, to keep it secret and not actually date you um, being, you know, attractive enough to sleep with. But yeah, for me, I've had to navigate those spaces by being like, yes, I'm existing in a black body and a, and a fat body. So take me as I am, but being straight up with that. And people are, um, that's the thing. Like you, you're not wanting for, for matches. It's just what are their intentions? The way that you do frame a lot of your work, it comes from a place of humour. Um, you know, you put up TikToks of people being like, what's your ethnicity? Or like, where are you from? And you take the piss out of it a bit. But has this been your experience? Like do people genuinely ask you that? Yeah, I remember getting um, like just straight up first DM is like, what are you? I'm like a human being um, or then they just try to do the whole um, the quiz game like who wants to be a millionaire like are you islander are you this are you that and sometimes they entertain it and then troll but most of the time you're just like I'm a visual artist who uh, my favorite food is popcorn Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> with dating Evander, you have spoken as well on your TikTok. You've kind of made fun of it, but I know that my friend who lives on Larrakia country has also experienced this about having to, you know, ask a lot of questions when wanting to date um, a First Nations person as well because of potentially them being part of like a mob that's associated with you or your cousin. Is that something that you yeah. like have experienced? Yeah, definitely. I actually, in Mount Isa, because everybody's so close-knit and everyone's basically living out of each other's pockets. So, like, you got to, like, you don't know who your cousin these days because, like, so many of them, <laughs> being Aboriginal, especially in the small towns, you sort of got to, like, who's your mob, where you're from, 
well, is that your grandmother? Because that's my grandmother too. <laughs> like, gotta go through like all these extra steps just to be able to like find out if you're related in some sort of way or not. Because <laughs> I ain't doing that. I ain't no cousin lover. <laughs> not me. <laughs> Alira and Emily, have you guys gone through that too? Yeah, I mean, I have. When you do swipe on a First Nations person on the dating app, you're always like, who's your mom? Where are you from? And it's happened once where they're like, oh, I'm Yorta Yorta. And I was like, so am I. I'm out unmatching. See you later. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of conversation? <laughs> it's so tricky. It's so tricky. But, um, yeah, it's only happened the once. <laughs> so my, my father's family is far west in New South Wales. And then my mum's family is Sherbourg, Queensland. So basically I'm like, I need to find a man in WA, basically. <laughs> so there's no risk of... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I do want to move on from the dating chat and talk about like all the incredible stuff that individually all of you are doing on Instagram and TikTok. I feel like the stuff that you're putting out there really is helping a lot of people just like embrace who they are, also discover their identity. And, you know, whether or not you might not realise that you're doing that. You are really encouraging that message of self-love and confidence. Um, Alira, I'll start with you. What's been your journey with how you've felt about yourself and also getting to that place where you do feel more confident? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess like on social media, I started my account maybe like a couple of years ago and I was just sharing my like lived experiences. I was sharing about my divorce. I was sharing about dating, my self-love. I was sharing about mental health. And I think from that point on, I just got to a point where I just wanted to inspire and empower people to just live their most abundant and healthiest lives because I literally came from nothing and I've just built this whole, I guess, career based on shit that's happened in my life and I read a book about it so people can like go and self-develop and things like that so I don't know I'm not like a fully healed person I'm constantly evolving as an individual as well too but the self-love journey I love just putting it out there on social media and in the real world I guess too and that's I think why you've seen how huge you've grown with people who are just loving what you're doing and you're following and really embracing you know your book and the stuff that you're putting out there was there ever a moment where you just were like it clicked and you were like fuck yeah do you know what like I'm fucking sick you know was there ever a pivotal moment where that changed the mindset changed for you I you know what I feel like I'm having moments like recently where I'm sort of just sitting here being like fuck you're pretty cool like I was bullied in high school for being the fat black kid and I was like I have so much trauma from that that my bullies actually reach out to me in my dms and are like oh my god you're so successful and so I do have these little moments that just like okay you're you're cool you're a cool kind of human like you're doing really cool shit and people are inspired by that so there was no pivotal moment I think for me there's always just these little moments of like oh, that's kind of cool. Like you're you're doing it. You're doing what you set your intention to do a couple of years back, which is really nice. I know from what I've like seen about you and just even experiencing you now that you're such a like loving, giving, live in the moment person, but having those DMs from those bullies, like it's got to feel a little bit good. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Oh my gosh. I know. I mean, people see this, like, I guess people see a really kind generous individual on social media but I can be a bitch as well too and I'm not afraid to say that and when they do dm me I'm always like bite back bite back and then I'm like no 
don't actually give them the validation and the energy that they want because they just want to be validated to be like, oh, I'm reaching out to her because like, I want to be a good human now. And it's like, no, you traumatized the Mm. fuck out of me in high school. Absolutely not. Yeah. What's your experience with that, Evander? And like, you know, getting to a place where you have come into yourself, I can't imagine it has been easy, not only being First Nations in a regional place, but then also queer as well. Yeah. So I'm still on a journey of self-love. I wouldn't say that I'm fully 100% know who I am, but I've come a long way, Alec, and I still feel like I've got a lot of learning still to do. Yeah, it's actually, it was pretty pretty hard growing up. Like, through high school, I no one really said anything about me being gay or anything. Like, I, I didn't actually go experience the bullying or anything like that, which is, I say, is pretty amazing, <laughs> like, on my part, because, like, truly grateful I didn't have to experience that kind of crap. And, like, Mount Isa may be a small town, but they are some like most of the people here the next generation they're very open-minded and very very welcoming people yeah so yeah still a little bit on my journey at the moment but still trying to figure out who I am yeah does TikTok help you do that though when you upload certain videos really leaning into all parts of yourself and maybe having people reach out to you or seeing that being like you know having people comment and being like fuck yeah or like me too or whatever TikTok actually has opened up opened me up to a lot of things like I didn't realize that I could still be hyper feminine still wear like still wear feminine clothes and I can still be still be a boy if that makes sense and still be considered a a male in some sort of way or still considered a human I should say but um yeah um TikTok really has like yeah has opened my eyes to a lot of things and like just the like the amount of love I get from like my followers is just amazing like I feel like I'm doing something right and I'm somewhat on the right path in life. (laughs) Mate, you absolutely are. You're so fucking funny. Like, you're so funny. (laughs) And so are you, Emily. Um, I have to, yeah, chat to you about the stuff that you post too. Like, how has humour, because you just, there's so many, yeah, TikToks that you put up where you really lean into just, like, your experiences being plus size but also, like, navigating, you know, this colonial country, um, like, just so much that is lent on humour. How has that kind of helped you and TikTok as well embrace like all parts of yourself and put that out there? Yeah. So as Evander was saying, I follow you on TikTok as well. The I, I swear, like the black follow re- <laughs> the black follow reactions is what I live for, and I think we have like a natural storytelling ability. But then, like, we just fire back and forth. That wit is just incredible. So TikTok yeah. is just is perfect <laughs> for that. The way that our perspective, I think it can be jarring and especially talking about colonization and you're trying to shift the conversation from discovery to invasion. Some people get really uncomfortable by that conversation. So for me, like if I use a funny audio or like I'm wearing, um, maybe using a funny filter, still talking about those topics, which are quite serious, but like having a laugh and trying to intro them softly and then eventually radicalize them is the plan. No, um, but yeah, I think that's been a really (laughs) helpful tool for me. It's like Trojan horsing it in, you know? It's like. <laughs> yeah. Was that spoonful of sugar or, yeah, the medicine? Yes. Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Alira, I do want to touch on, you know, you in that kind of self help space, you know, you really do help people go through certain things through like grief and breakup and that kind of thing. Do you find, though, that this, I guess, area of work is quite white? and whitewash like what's been your what's been your experience in this 
Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason I stepped into, in quotation mark, the whitewash wellness space was to be that point of difference, to be like, hang on a second, you white people are like culturally appropriating so many other cultures, you need to like sit down. So I think me stepping into these spaces, I wanted to be that point of difference to say, this is what we should be doing. We need cultural safety in certain spaces. We need cultural awareness in certain spaces, blah, blah, blah. And I think me as a black coach is also like powerful in itself because there is just so many white coaches that are just so like, let's burn the Bello Santo and let's do fucking yoga every day. And it's like, come on, like, let's get it together. But yeah, I think the wellness space, it is so white dominated. And I just love calling people out on socials about it as well too. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite thing. To I bet. <laughs> it would feel really good. So um, great. <laughs> what would be, because you do give out such great advice and we spoke a little bit about it before this chat, but, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we touch on in the hookup has to deal with love and heartbreak and, and breakups and dealing with kind of maybe not being in that great space, headspace. What's your advice to anyone listening who's going through that right now about how to kind of, yeah, go through those emotions and get out of it? Yeah, I mean, well, I've been through so many breakups that I have gotten to a point where it's like sit in the feelings. Don't be afraid to just sit in it. If you're having a shit day, have that shit day. Don't push your feelings aside. It's really important because it's a grieving process when you break up with someone, you're losing that other half of you. So I'm always saying to clients, just like sit in those feels and don't be afraid to express how you're feeling. It's really, really important. But also don't be afraid to get on the fucking horse as well too. Because I think a lot of people are just like... (gasps) dating game and it's like you don't have to go and date you can go and sleep around and have fun like there's nothing wrong with that like go and live your best life but I think yeah the feelings are really important oh my god I love that yeah get back out there even though we're all basically being like fuck dating literally because we're really? all fucking traumatized from relationships absolutely we're Just, all celibate yeah. um Amanda's got bloody cobwebs up up there yeah I'm fast down there I open my legs all you hear is <laughs> just clouds of dust <laughs> clouds of dust yeah, coming out like, just coming out <laughs> don't even get started on the bush no, <laughs> oh my god I love that so much we're all like yeah we're all feeling it so hard um look this has been so much fun I do want to end on you know really really honing in and hitting home about how amazing all the stuff that you're doing and creating is like, you know, Alira from all the stuff you're doing, being an author, a coach, like Evander, the content you're doing is just absolutely incredible on TikTok and Emily as well in your art. Like for the, I guess for the non-Indigenous people listening, how important is it to follow people like yourselves and really diversify the content they consume and open themselves up to other people's perspectives, especially First Nations people? Yeah, I feel like it's so important for people to follow Black creators because, I mean, a couple of years ago I realised how white my feed was and how I was following white influencers and it's like, hang on a second, yeah diversify your feed there's nothing wrong with that that's how you're going to get educated and unlearn what you already think you know as well too so really important I think the scary thing was I think I had as I was growing up all my friends were black fellas my family you know I was just surrounded by blackness and then it wasn't until I was at uni where someone who was in one of my tutorials was like you're the first Aboriginal person I've met and I'm like we're literally 22 years old and you've never in, like met another Aboriginal person. I think that's just shocking and disgusting. And like, yeah, fair enough. It hasn't happened organically for you. And like, you haven't made 
a friendship. I'm not saying go and find a token black friend, but like the least you could do is like type in like Aboriginal or First Nations or something into Instagram and educate yourself and be exposed in the, the any way that you can. Um, I just don't think there's any excuse to, to be on this earth for 22 years, to be on this land, on Aboriginal land for 22 years without um, engaging with our community. Besides the importance of following Indigenous creators, I think also giving recognition to them with the trends that they start and the dances and everything like that. And majority, like 95% of the time, they get overlooked with a lot of things that they create. So yeah, I think just a little bit of recognition just for those, even those small little creators that are people under like a thousand followers, like just give them a little bit of recognition that they started that trend or they started that dance. Yeah. Completely, especially pro- probably because they're working, um, like, you know, Emily, you mentioned before, a, a, like against having to be shadow banned and already not really getting <laughs> pushed into the algorithm to begin with. So, you know, that's a whole battle in itself. Kind of sad because we kind of created the algorithm. No, <laughs> People have come out of algorithms. Well, shame, shame. <laughs> Um, this has been so much fun. Thank you all. I'm obsessed with the stuff that you're doing online. And yeah, I hope that anyone listening who isn't already following you goes right now and clicks on all of your apps, um, which I will put in the show notes. Um, and yeah, follow, like, subscribe, comment, do all of the things. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, heaps. <laughs> See, I told you they were the best, honestly. It was such a great chat. I feel very blessed to have spoken to them. And like I said, if you want to follow all of their stuff, which you absolutely should, head on over to the show notes. You'll find their ads in the caption. Happy Nadot week and I'll catch you next time.